Harrison Price for Tuesday, July 18th, 2023. Coming to you from the Go-Go Sports Studio, built by Arbor Lee here at the iconic Wall Center, the place to stay in downtown Vancouver. Matt Sikers alongside Blake Price, Grace Asset, the switches, conducting things. And this show, a presentation of the Applewood Auto Group. And we've been telling you about Applewood. Look, they're not just car guys and gals. They are car fanatics, and that passion shines through. I want to highlight Frankie, the delivery specialist at Applewood Nissan Richmond, Blake, who took me tip to tail through this new Infiniti QX60 that I'm driving. Thank you to Frankie. I feel very, very comfortable knowing everything about the car, dash, control panel, and all that. And while we were at Applewood Nissan Richmond, they made mention that every year they donate a car to a special graduate, and you can only imagine the excitement of an 18-year-old kid who winds up with a new car as part of their graduation. Look, right now you can get the Nissan 2023 Rogue starting at $99 weekly, the 23 Pathfinder at $318 biweekly, and the 23 Armada at $895 monthly. And as they say, Blake... Bodog poll question today. We are asking you, with single-game tickets on sale for the Vancouver Canucks starting today, which home game are you most looking forward to in this 23-24 season? You can vote for the opener against Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers. It's October 11th. November 15th brings Bo Horvat's return, the former captain with the New York Islanders. They haven't officially announced that December 14th against the Panthers as Roberto Luongo's Ring of Honor night, but one would suspect with the former Canucks goaltender, now a Panthers executive. And then January 22nd, Connor Bedard's homecoming, his first professional game here in his hometown of Vancouver as a member of the Chicago Blackhawks. If you don't like those offerings, by all means, write in a candidate. Do so at Sakarison Price on Twitter. Bodog, your source of free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. And looking at this slate of CFL games on the week, uh, over the course of the weekend, the BC Lions are nine and a half point favorites against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and their new quarterback, Mason Fine. I'm going to take the Leos and lay the points on your Bodog line of the day. How we doing? Good, good. Uh, I'm looking forward to... Uh... A uh, big weekend of sports ahead, and uh, you know the, the summer has been kind of tough to beat. Um, it does feel like California right now. Like every single day, we just walk out, and at eight a.m., it's warm, and it's tough to have a bad day like this. Yeah, know? except yesterday, but mm, there's nothing wrong. A little with bit that of a break, but that still was twenty-three mm-hmm. degrees. Like it was not bad, you know. So, mm-hmm. which uh, I voted for, but I was a little torn. I'm kind of a nostalgist. So I, I I consider the Luongo Ring of Honor game. I mean, I wish it was a number retirement game. I think you earned that honor. I can understand being intrigued to see how the crowd will receive Bo Horvat, but I, I do think it will be mostly positive even after his comments. But I wanted to I want I wound up voting for Bedard just because we saw him at the LEC as a member of the Regina Pats against the Giants in December. 
And, you know, just thinking of how he dominated that World Junior Tournament as a 17-year-old, he's a price of admission guy. I have long gone out, sought out hockey games where you have a spectacular talent. I'm interested to see what he can do as a professional. So I voted for Bedard in that Blackhawks game on the 22nd of January. I'm going bold because I've, I've seen these Ring of Honor things before. And you know, Jersey or Tony, you see one, you've seen them all. I honestly think so. Uh, oh, you don't think go- Roberto? You don't think Roberto will be a little bit more entertaining than I mean, his most? speech might be good, but again, it can only be so so long. It's not like it's a full-on gala night. You know, I, I, I it'll be notable, certainly, but it's not going to get my vote. And Bedarda, I think it's just, it's a, it's a lot to expect an 18-year-old to entertain you like this uh, in his first NHL season so um i'm gonna go with the the unknown i i, I don't know what bo's return is gonna feel like so I, I went with bo's return grady where are you going on the poll well i added a fifth option on youtube for mm-hmm. the game against the leafs because i want to see the canucks pump them but mm-hmm. uh i'm interested with the horvat thing with with the reception from the fans and just the homecoming i want to see how how people are going to respond mm-hmm. Yesterday's poll question we asked you, will Lionel Messi ever play a game at BC Place? Nearly 1,500 votes on this, Blake. Yes or no? What won the poll? Mm, pessimism, skepticism. No won the poll. Correct. No no won the poll. What percentage? 65. 75. Mm, wow. Yeah. I mean, two things going against it, the, the building and the surface, um, and then... Also, the schedule. I mean, you don't you don't get to see every Eastern team every year or even every other year. Mm-hmm. It, you know, you have to wait three, four years often for an Eastern team to pay you a visit. So, um, there's a lot going against them right now. Yeah, uh, Chris from Langley says travel and playing surface will play a huge role in it. This is how I see it unfolding. Miami will have a Wednesday home game followed by a Saturday game in Vancouver. Messi picks up a third yellow suspended for the game in Vancouver because of accumulation comes. <laughs> Anyway, for the photo op, uh, this from Derek. I don't see why he wouldn't. Is he not going to play on turf? That rules out Vancouver, Seattle, Portland, Atlanta, New England, and Charlotte. Hard to imagine he's going to miss two of Miami's remaining 12 games this season. And, and that's a very good point from Derek. Yeah. They play two games on turf the rest of this year. Is Lionel Messi going to participate in them? And if so, or if not, do we have our answer? On BC Place, should that game get scheduled? But it's a combo platter. It's far, uh, and it's on turf. You know, like there's everything going against it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's get on to, well, single game tickets on sale today. What do you think on Canucks attendance this upcoming year? Because, of course, it was another year of saying we've got to be a playoff team and missing the playoffs. Do you think it takes a hit in any way, shape, or form, or do you think – because this was a more responsible summer in terms of spending on free agents, do you think that this management group has enough equity built up with fans that they start luring some people back to Rogers Arena? I think they um, have to have a good start. I mean, I, I think there's there's going to be a, a cautious optimism to start, but if it's not rewarded in the first 10 games, like if – they have to have at least five wins in the first ten games. I think honestly, like if it's anything less than that, yeah. they're four and six in the first eight. Like people are going to be like, "This is just going to be the same, isn't it?" Like I, I think uh, there's a lot of pressure to have a good start here. Oh, a good start is absolutely critical for this franchise after two straight Octobers where they have effectively buried themselves out of playoff contention. I'll say this, and we've 
talked about this over the last, well, probably more the last year because of just how how dreadful the, that last season was with the allegations against Francesco at the start of the year and the total mishandling mm-hmm. of the Bruce Boudreaux firing. I do think you are at a point now where our community is big enough and there's enough money in this community that you're going to baseline a Canucks tendance. Like I cannot see it slipping below 15,000, 16,000, no matter how bad it's got. I have been on record in the past saying they're Teflon and Farhan Lalji always reminds me that no, no, in fact, they weren't Teflon after that big, long sellout streak that they had going for uh, for years and years at Rogers Arena when they were a very well-run franchise and, and winning a whole lot of games. But, you know, just talking to a friend on Friday, Blake, and he's in for Canucks tickets for the first time ever. Mm-hmm. And his reason was this. My kid's 13. He's a huge hockey fan. I don't really want to support Luongo or um, Aquilini. I don't really want to support all this losing. I'm not necessarily sold on Rutherford, Alvin and Talkett and a turnaround or anything like that. But kids at the right age that it's a special night out with dad. And so they're going to go to a bunch of hockey games this year and he's going to enjoy watching his kid with the innocence of youth, maybe watching these NHL games and not necessarily being aware of everything that has surrounded this franchise over the last decade. And I think a lot of people have those sorts of individualized personal reasons why they want to buy season tickets or why they want to buy single game tickets for the Canucks, despite all the failure and misery of this. I think a lot of parents too, don't want to uh, necessarily be poison for their kids' dreams of, of the home side team too. So they, they tend not to poo poo uh, any outward cheering of, uh, of the Vancouver Canucks because they know, Hey, it's, it's a moment in time. Eventually this team will be better. So uh, I should, uh, I should feign to be a, a, a fan at the very least for now. So Eric Carlson, Carolina, Pittsburgh, or it's dragging on, I just don't care anymore. Where are you at on the Eric Carlson file? Because every day I open my timeline and I see people writing about Eric Carlson and speculating what Carlson would look like on the Penguins blue line or on the Hurricanes blue line and what Pittsburgh or Carolina would have to give up to get the Norris Trophy winner. And yet it seems like we're in a giant game of chicken here where both Don Waddell down in Carolina and Kyle Dubas in Pittsburgh are going, San Jose, we know you have to trade him. We know you want to trade him, and we're going to wait you out here and see if Mike Greer has the wherewithal to strike a big deal on Carlson or just settle, given what the player gets paid annually, and it's very, very difficult to fit a salary like Carlson's in without some sort of money being exchanged or being held back. I... I don't really care where he goes. Um, I, I'm not waiting on pins and needles because, um, I, I mean, I still think he's uh, an injury away from sort of almost career ending. Like, I mean, I, I don't know what his health is, is like overall. I don't know that how um, repeatable this past season was for him, given uh, San Jose played with a laissez-faire uh, attitude because they knew they were out of it. So he was allowed to do whatever the heck he wanted with zero consequence. Um, you know, if he goes to a good team, is he allowed to do what he did? I would, I would beg to differ. He's probably not. So, um, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not waiting with beta breath. He's not a guy in his prime. Yeah. that's going to really tip the scales. I don't think. I can understand why Carolina would be interested in Carlson from the point of view of needing more offense in the Stanley cup playoffs. And this being a recurring theme, 
I yeah. do also wonder how Eric Carlson would jive with Rod Brindamore. Right. Because if there are a couple yeah. of knocks on Carlson, number one, has not been the greatest player in his own zone over the years. Number two, he's just so naturally talented, Blake. I'm not necessarily sure, and we've heard reports of this over the years, that he's the hardest working guy. And as you know, Rod the Bod, Brindamore, he's about that hard work. So that would be a very, very interesting chemistry experiment down in Carolina where they've got a very good thing going. If Eric Carlson and his $11.5 million or some portion thereof got yeah. dropped into that Hurricanes team and he isn't necessarily working at the level that Brindamore needs. Now, all that being said, this might be his last chance to win, right? So oh, for sure. Uh, you you for would sure. think Carlson would be pretty motivated, but I hear Oh, whoever, whoever he joins next, he has to look at is, this is my last NHL stop to be a frontline player yeah. and pursue a Stanley Cup. How about the BC Lions? They open the Upper Bowl at BC Place on a Monday night, Blake, for a Saturday 4 p.m. kickoff against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Dwayne Vineau, club president, quote, the interest and buzz for tickets has significantly grown week by week. Tickets start at $25 for adults, $10 for youth, 17 and under. BC looking to go 4-0 and to start the season against the West Division. They haven't done that since 2005 when they started the year 11-0 and and then lost six of their last seven coming down the stretch. And uh, we've got more details on the pregame tailgate party at Terry Fox Plaza. You're going to have some unique food and drink there, Blake. A salmon burger on a bannock bun, walking wow. tacos, watermelon white claws, and sask dogs, which consist of a smoky with the pierogi on top. I was not Ooh. familiar with the sack. Sask dog. Fog Dog is the act performing. They played the Lions Den at the Grey Cup. But a word or two on BC. Opening up the upper bowl five days in advance, Blake, of the game. Ticket sales must be extraordinary. Yeah, and they've been reticent to do that because they want to um, do it with their chest out, right? You don't want to meekly and, and loosely open up the upper bowl and then see nobody in there. They have to feel like the dam is bursting a little bit on the ticket um, demand side of things so that they can open it with pride, you know, pardon the pun. Um, so that means that there's probably significant interest in this game. And, and hey, will there be a lot of people wearing green? Yes, I'm sure there will be. But that'll just create a, uh, a fabulous atmosphere. So I'm not necessarily going to poo-poo on that either. No, uh, as you know, if you can get the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in your town after the kids are out of school, so in the dead of summer, you typically are going to get a fair number of Rough Rider supporters who invade your city, or they walk amongst us as well, Blake. Yes, they do. Lots of transplants from the Flatlands. It was 23,000 last year for a late August date on a Friday night where the Leos faced Saskatchewan. I mean, it sounds very much like they're already going to be over 25,000, given that you've opened the open, open the upper deck. So going to be another big day at BC Place. And, of course, that will be hours after the Whitecaps and Club Leon Friday in League's Cup. We're giving away tickets, four, two four-packs. We're going to announce on tomorrow's show. Text hashtag Whitecaps to 778-402-9680. 
for your chance to win. Grady's going to pick the winners. Let them know tomorrow, and we'll announce on the show. Uh, perhaps a little early to know lineup there, Blake, but we'll discuss that later in the week. Um, the other thing that came up yesterday on the soccer on the soccer front and watching soccer, uh, the FIFA Women's World Cup, which gets underway Thursday down under, Canada versus Nigeria is the opening match, and it's a, a 7.30 local start here, so very, very convenient. Uh, the Voyagers, Canada's uh, official fan club, and of course mm-hmm. they have the Voyagers trophy for the Canadian champions, and Whitecaps have won that two years running. Uh, they have announced a series of watch parties across the country, and there's a couple here in Vancouver at the Lennox on Granville Street and at Bimini's on West 4th. So if you're looking for like-minded people dressed in red and white to support Christine Sinclair and the defending reigning Olympic champions here at the FIFA Women's World Cup, you can get to Lennox or you can get to Bimini's on Thursday evening. Sounds like a lot of fun. I, I think we're, uh, you know, we're heading to the dog days of summer in terms of what to watch. So uh, it couldn't come at a better time, the Women's World Cup. I think we're going to have a lot of eyes on that. It's going to be fun. I think so. And uh, as we have talked about, we'll talk about it more in the week. Canada does have a chance to win this tournament. Um, yeah. This is, you know, you could see it happening, much like we saw in Japan a couple of years ago at the Olympic tournament. Different tournament, bigger field. But nevertheless, Canada, a contender. Let's get to the golf report brought to you by the Arnold Palmer Design Whistler Golf Club. And we can't wait to get up there tomorrow. Play a round with director of golf, Al Chris Manson. Always a beautiful, beautiful golf course to play. And as Blake pledged yesterday, he's finally going to score at the Whistler Golf I'm gonna Club. I'm going to go get it. I'm going to get we, it. You're going to get it like Tortorella for Sarley. We have all... Uh, of course, uh, we've been telling you for, about all their great buddy trips, corporate groups, but also home to the Nike Pro Shop featuring exclusive footwear and apparel worn by Tiger, Rory, Brooks, Scotty, Nelly, and more. And Palmer's Gallery Bar and Grill. I'm sure we'll partake there tomorrow, Blake. For more information or to book a tea time, visit WhistlerGolf.com. Have you seen the groupings? for Thursday's Open Championship at Royal Liverpool. And, of course, the majors come around, and in this case, the RNA, the Royal and Ancient, has purview over the groupings. They are playing with Fire Blake. They have put Brooks Kepka with Patrick Cantley and Hideki Matsuyama. It was after the Masters that Brooks called Cantley's group, quote, brutally slow, <laughs> and has since added they should start stroking guys if they take too long to hit a shot. Watching Brooks deal with Cantley and his pre-shot, pre-putt routine might be as entertaining as watching Patrick Cantley on Thursday and Friday at Royal Liverpool. Yeah, I, I, I hate that they, um, they force, you know, the players to sort of police this like if they were if they were on top of players like Cantley more strictly then we wouldn't have these sorts of storylines I mean I, I don't think we need a pitch clock like in baseball or anything like that but you know they they do hand out warnings periodically I remember Roy Sabatini was a notoriously so pl- a slow player back in the day I mean just issue some warnings here so these guys know that you can't do this Kevin Na was super slow as well um pull the trigger yeah Remember now when he couldn't pull the trigger? Um, 
This is an area of the game where Commissioner Jay Monahan and the PGA Tour have just failed. Yeah. Period. Full stop. You're in the attention economy. People do not have the time to give you that they used to. When they do issue warnings all the time, but they tend not to penalize players. And right. when they do, they penalize lower level players. Like I remember one year the Masters penalized like a Chinese amateur player there. You've got to get on the top guys. Because if you see the top guys getting penalized, then I think you're going to see a lot more people fall in the line. You're right. It does need to be a little more stringent at this stage of the game. I have long supported a rule that if you're within two feet of the cup, you're not marking that ball. Put it out and let's get the proceedings moving. So we'll see if Cantley quickens his pace because he's playing with Brooks Kepka, who's a very quick player. And we'll see if Kepka, Mount Kepka erupts here, watching Cantley go through everything that he did. Fine, fine player, but man, he can be can be like maple syrup to watch. Just so slow, so deliberate mm-hmm. in everything he does. Anyways, some of the other groupings, uh, Jordan Spieth playing with Matthew Fitzpatrick and Jason Day, Scotty Scheffler playing with Tommy Fleetwood and Adam Scott, Victor Hovland playing with Tony Finau, Justin Thomas, Rory McIlroy with John Rahm and Justin Rose. And then this could be an explosive grouping as well. Colin Morikawa, cool and easy, with Max Homa's pretty fiery, and Tyrrell Hatton, who might be the most fiery. Well, fiery and, and just neurotic. Like Hatton talking to himself <laughs> all around long. My son loves it, sitting down and, and watching Tyrrell Hatton when he's in the hunt because he's just manic. He's so talking to himself and he's you know apoplectic about whatever whatever he's done. It's it's a lot of fun. Hatton and Spieth. Part of the fun of watching them is the conversation that is ongoing. Yeah, really, just to themselves. In Spieth's case, it's a little more with the caddy, but in Hatton's case, you're quite right. He got picked up with a he got picked up by microphones last weekend with a very naughty word that they had to apologize yeah, for. Self loathing is always fun to watch on the <laughs> golf course, right? Like because uh, it makes it makes them seem like us, so it's uh, it's good. I love Jordan with the ball in play, land softly. <laughs> He's trying to coax the ball, and you can also see that they have put a Brit with a couple of highly ranked world touring pros so you're going to get some of that english flair get exposure through a yes. lot absolutely mm-hmm. through a, well, I, I say brits but really it's all english players and then rory from northern ireland uh so you're going to get that that british flair at the open championship in a lot of these in a lot of these premier groupings that i'm sure will take up a lot of the time on television no matter what you're buying folks when you're out in the world looking for this that and the other I think you want to support businesses that you feel good about supporting. You can feel good about supporting the Applewood Auto Group. Uh, They've made the car business and communities around them a whole lot better with their work in the community. Go and find out why it is indeed all good at Applewood. Visit them online anytime at applewood.ca. Let's get to today's menu brought to you by the Dutch. The Dutch BC's best breakfast. When you think breakfast in British Columbia, you think the Dutch. We're going to talk to Patrick Johnson, PJ from the province and post media today. We're going to talk to him about single game ticket sales, the um, marquee games on the Canucks schedule this year, the color commentator's job, and whether it's lock, stock, and barrel for Dave Tomlinson, as well as Brock Besser finding a new coach or a new trainer in the summer, who was Rick Tockett 
approved. We'll get to some hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter, including the plight of running backs in the National Football League these days and the Seattle Mariners doing something that's very smart business-wise, but maybe will tick off their fans for this weekend's Blue Jays series. We're also going to speak to our old buddy Mike Benavides, special teams consultant for the BC Lions. As you may know, he took over the gig on the eve of the season after BC Lions special teams coordinator Don Yanowski had to take leave of the club. He's been 10 years away from the Lions, Blake, after being the head coach and then making his way to to Edmonton and Ottawa and, of course, TSN, where he's been part of the CFL panel. So a fantastic time catching up with Mike Benavides, who uh, has protégés throughout the league now coaching and, of course, is now responsible for the special teams and Sean White, who is old enough that he remembers Benavides way back in the day. Happy Hour brought to you by Yellow Dog Brewing Neighborhood Brewing Workshop Spirits. And the weather's getting a little cooler, but we're still pretending we're thriving in the summer. That's summer heat with Workshop Spirits. Ombre Margarita. Hi there, hard lemon iced tea. And hi there, our peach iced tea. will keep you feeling tropical all year long. End of the workday. Treat yourself to a Yellow Dog Neighborhood or Workshop Spirit. Let's get into it. I don't know if it was malicious. Probably not. But I do know it was another WTF moment. My question to ownership would be, was it worth it? And the architect, and I use that term loosely, given there wasn't much architecture, more finger painting with this team. It's like the running of the bulls in Pamplona. You know someone is going to get hurt. That's what you all need to understand here. Right now. We hardly knew Derek Clancy, but his departure from the Vancouver Canucks Tuesday still came as a surprise of all the people hired by President of Hockey Operations Jim Rutherford back in December 2021. Clancy was the most plug-and-play as an experienced executive in the role he was hired to oversee, scouting. He was also the first hire, and that should tell you something as well. Clancy had served with Rutherford and GM Patrick Alvin in Pittsburgh, where he was the head of pro scouting and won three Stanley Cups, that he made a lateral move, at least an AGM title, to the Toronto Maple Leafs has to hurt, albeit one could understand if the Leafs do pay more. We'll await more details on why all this came about. It also harkens Lawrence Gilman's move from the Canucks to the Leafs, albeit that was after he was let go in Vancouver. When Rutherford went about assembling his staff here, he hired many inexperienced executives. Alvin as a first-time GM, Cami Granato, Emily Castingay as first-time rookie assistant general managers who were going to be on learning curves. Clancy was the outlier, hired from Calgary where he was a pro scout after his time in Pittsburgh. He was charged with overseeing both the pro and amateur scouting staff, so we'll wait and see how the two draft classes of 2022 and 23 pan out, but it's clear that Vancouver's pro scouting improved over Clancy's brief tenure. Players like Dakota Joshua and Neil Zaman were wise Low-cost additions. Jury remains out on Anthony Beauvillier, Atu Ratu, acquired in the Bo Horvat trade, as well as the trio of unrestricted free agents signed this Canada Day. Rick Dollywall reporting that he won't be replaced in the Canucks front office and that Clancy's duties will be filled internally. And that may very well mean that for some in the Canucks front office, it's time to sink or swim. That's welcome out for today. We invite your feedback, feedback channels as follows on email, live at securitsandprice.com. You can text 
778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox. On Twitter, I'm at Sakaris, at Sakaris and Price. And a welcome out of presentation of Northlands Golf Course going out to play today. Can't wait. Metro Vancouver's premier public golf course. Book your tee times 90 days in advance. Don't forget to join the loyalty program. You can, next round might be free. And of course, check out the patio on a gorgeous afternoon like today, overlooking the golf course. Get all the details, golfnorthlands.com. Yeah, I, I'm uh, I'm a little surprised for sure. The timing is a little peculiar. Um, I, you know, he was not very front-facing. We didn't hear from Derek Lancey a ton. We didn't see him. Like, I had to remind myself what he looked like a little bit when the press release came out. But he has a really nice reputation. Like, he's got a reputation for being pretty smart and pretty good at what he does. Um, so I think it is it is a loss. Curious as to what they do with that position going forward. Do they expand who's there? Do they add another body to the mix? I mean, Toronto's gotten really wide themselves in terms of, um, you know, the decision makers there. So that seems to be the the fashion right now is to to have a big front office. So um, I would I would think that's probably the direction they go, but. But who knows? Um, it's uh, it's it's interesting. It's a it's an interesting day. I yeah. mean, again, not well, that he was the biggest decision maker, no. but it's it's just a, it's a it's a peculiar move. And the one thing you wonder is whether Emily Castlegay or or Cami Granato are going to wind up picking up the duties here and or being the overseer or yeah. splitting it up on that side of it. As we talked about, the Vancouver Canucks went from a very thin. Front office, uh, a small table of decision makers around Jim Benning to a much broader, larger, more diverse table of decision makers around Jim Rutherford and that, and now Patrick Alvine. So, uh, you know, if the Canucks replace it, that's a very good sign because that tells me that Rutherford is still got enough charge there and enough confidence that he's able to go out and pay the money for these sorts of AGMs. Because remember, these are not cap dollars. These are areas where high revenue teams like the Vancouver Canucks can get ahead. We'd love to know what the conversation looks like, though, Matt, because mm-hmm. you know the, the lateral moves are not common. You know, usually it's it's for a head coaching job. Um, I'm sure the Canucks had to be confused, uh, convinced that this was a uh, a move upward for Derek Clancy to take this job. Sakaris Price from Wall Center and a presentation of the Applewood Auto Group. Applewood Kia has the most unbelievable prices on fully electric vehicles like the Kia Nero EV, as low as $44.9 and fully loaded at $52.9. And you can get it all for 6.49% for up to 84 months. So the electric revolution, it's officially here. It's accessible for everybody. Stay away from the gas pumps forever for $44.9 at Applewood Kia. Today's Bodog poll question, which Canucks home game are you most looking forward to next season? The opener against Edmonton in October, Bo Horvat's return November 15th. Roberto Luongo, we suspect Ring of Honor night when the Panthers are here December 14th. And January 22nd, the next one, the next coming, Connor Bedard and the Chicago Blackhawks as the North Vancouver prodigy makes his debut at Rogers Arena. You can vote at Sakarison Price on Twitter. Boat your source. Free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. The Tiger Cats are down to their third-string quarterback, Taylor Powell, Friday night for a rivalry game against Toronto. Look, the Argos aren't going to know much about this rookie. Hamilton's at home. I got burned taking... Uh, uh, I got burned betting against the Argos. I'm going to go back there, though. Hamilton at home, plus seven. 
on your Bodog line of the day. Here's Patrick Johnson of the Province and Post Media. How are you? I'm well. Got my coffee. It's nice and warm, you know. Mm-hmm. Thinking about vacation. All kinds of things. I'm doing well. Feeling good. 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 It's summer. It's summertime. Right. I know it's different for beat reporters, but of those four, or feel free to go off the board here, is there a home game you've already got red circled that you're already eyeing on next year's schedule? <laughs> well, professionally, Bo Horvat, I mean, it's in Horvat, you know, I mean, I think just, I got, I had a really good relationship with Bo, got along with him really well. Um, so yeah, just nice to say hello. Um, and the, I mean, if, if it is going to be Luongo Hall, a Ring of Honor night, that will be an exciting week as well. So it's a tie for me. Yeah, those are two pretty big homecomings for two pretty big icons of the last yeah. uh, 10, yeah. 12 years for this organization. So yeah. so that stands to reason. Do you think that people will be buying tickets more ferociously than they have in the last couple of years? Do you think this, this team has done enough to whip up some anticipation for this season that when those single-game tickets go on sale that they'll actually uh, see a bigger spike than they have in years gone by? Uh, I, I think there's still an element of wait and see. Um, I think people want certainly want to believe. We know that much. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I, I get, I feel like this is one of those ones where if they get off to a good start, because we have seen so many bad starts in recent years, um, if they get off to a good start, that would sort of match the hope, I guess, that's there. And, um, I mean, the beginning of the season is always tough. There's a reason why they tend not to play a ton of home games early in the season. Uh, the Canucks have always kind of said mm, we'd rather play down the stretch. We do better down. We do better, I think, with sales. Even last season, you know, sales picked up as the season went on. Even if they weren't making the playoffs, um, I know they were obviously throwing a lot of deals at people, uh, but I think the general feeling has been that they are they <laughs> when they had a chance to sell tickets of meaning late in the year, they've done better than they do at the beginning of the year. Now, obviously, we are you know, 10 years into sort of this circling the drain approach. Um, And to me, at the end of the day, it is about whether they start well. It's not so much the buzz coming into the season. I mean, credit to them for targeting the university student, but can you believe that that this organization that was once the place to be seen that would see people dressed up like they're going to a, you know, a gala. That's what the, it looked like at Rogers Arena some nights. They were catering to university students last year. Like, I'd never heard so, like, it, as a father of a university student, never heard so much talk about, like, kids with no budget going to Canucks yeah. games because they were offered these uh, smashing rates. I mean, in fairness, it's something they've tried before. It did work. It was a way to latch in people when I when I was their age. When I, you know, yeah. uh, in in first and second year, you know, twenty three, oh god, years ago, um, you had incredible deals. You just had you literally had to line up in the morning and you could buy a ticket for twenty bucks. And it's a pretty similar story now. It, it was, yeah. It, you know, beer was a lot cheaper then. So I think yes. the formula was that they were going to be able to sell you a bunch of beer. Now it's they just want to sell you one beer and they've got the same margin as they did off four beers. On the back, it's probably better, I guess, because you're only selling one. Um, but, yeah, I, I, this is a game where they should be chasing. People want to demand. They want to bang on the door. You go 10 years ago, people were banging on the door trying to get in. And now it's the opposite. They're trying to keep you in. Uh, and there's, you know, I mean, we've talked about this so many times. It's when you struggle to win and you don't make the playoffs, and you're even if you know your product isn't even that entertaining now, the product has been getting more entertaining. That's a good thing, um, and that 
is probably the counter to what I was saying earlier, that at least there is some excitement level. People know they're going to see goals. And I think goals is what people want to see. And obviously they want to see wins, but they want to be entertained. Uh, that's the lesson from the Vancouver Canadians. People don't even know the score. They walk out. Um, I will quickly mention the other sport I pay attention to. Canada Sevens being renewed and, you know, World Rugby in their release announcing that today, same kind of approach. They know that people just want to go and have a good time. They go to the stadium. They want to enjoy the event. Um, and I think that's a lesson the Canucks have learned from another of their teams. The Warriors are seen as a way to start the evening, um, a thing to do to start your evening. So there is an element to that in that university pricing as well, that this is a thing to do. But I think there is a broader appreciation that that is something that people want to do, that is part of their night. It's not the night um, mm-hmm. you know, obviously that's a lot of money given what they're charging for right, tickets. That's only part. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, so that's kind of like, okay, how do people that, like, Hey, if this is what, if they think there's a market for it, then, then that's where they're going. Now, obviously that is why they're building new suites and changing the way they approach suites as well. They're trying to get more of a VIP experience for more people, yada, yada, yada. Um, but in the end, the wins and the goals are what drives the experience. And I think if they start well and they're winning, that will make a big difference down the I mean, that's a shocking revelation, I know. <laughs> After his comments to UBS Arena being a lot better than Vancouver, <laughs> do you think they will boo Bo? And can you tell me that for free? <laughs> I, I, I think in the end he'll get cheered. I think, I think there's enough. I think the casual fan has enough appreciation. He was the captain. He got lots of cheers when he was still playing. Um, yeah, and the live I, it'll audience, obviously be a topic, mm-hmm. but a live audience tends to react positively to a player like Bo Horvath. I was going to say there may well be a smattering, but the live audience is generally not the angry folk. Yeah, right. Like the angry yeah. folk are not buying tickets because they don't want to support the owner, or they don't believe in management's plan, or they don't think the players are giving their all. Whatever the case may be, live audiences tend to be a lot kinder and gentler. In this town, at least, maybe not in New York or other places, but in this town, at least, uh, you know, than those who avail themselves of social media. Uh, I mean, you that's look at my the, guess yeah. going into all this. Yeah, look at the look at the controversial figures, if you will, of players from you know years, uh, you know, eras of Canucks past. Pavel Bure comes back for you know basically, you know, they, the Mike Gillis gets him in the building, and and he's the, the people went nuts. Like he was he. Claimed he was worried that people would boo him because of how he left. Um, but, you know, time heals all wounds, except for Marc Messier. And, you know, every time Messier came back, he got booed and to the point where it's just there's no point in bringing him out because it, it is such a... He, he is associated so much with how badly that era went. Um, and I don't think Bor- Horvat is in that category. And I, I obviously he's not the player Pavel Burry was, but I think he, there's enough there that there, he was here for long enough. There was fans appreciated what he was. He put on some big performances. Uh, I, I think that will overwhelm whatever you know frustrations people may have felt about his comment about the noise being made in the building, uh, one way or another. Saw you um, retweet Dave Tomlinson in his post about leaving the Seattle Kraken. Have you done some digging on the Canucks color commentary job? Do you think it's just going to be DT on the TV side for all? I wonder. Um, yeah, I you know that 
we'll see. I mean, they've waited so long to announce the sponsorship last year. I'm not holding my breath for anything. I, I, I think one, if one were to conclude or, or, or assume that that's where he headed, I could understand why. Certainly when I, he made the announcement, I tried to get in touch with him last week and he kept quiet. So, uh, that was notable. I mentioned it in the story. I, I, yeah, I think, I think there's someone, you know, he <coughs> worked a couple of years in Seattle and I'm sure he had some fun, but I don't know how well it worked financially. Um, I can only, you know, just knowing how the radio business is going in general. Uh, and you know, before he took the job and we, we talked, we talked a few times and I think I've mentioned this before, like he was doing quite well working in movies and, you know, was the, was the skating or hockey coordinator on the Mighty Ducks series and things like that. And, um, you know, I, I think his, in his heart, he wants to be a hockey commentator. So, you know, yeah, he said, I'm taking an opportunity in Canada. Well, there aren't a ton of jobs. So, you mm-hmm. know, <laughs> I don't think he wants to live in Calgary or Ottawa either. I think, no, uh, and I don't uh, think there's a Toronto job available. So, no. You know, Calgary, Winnipeg, Ottawa. Like, okay, yeah, Dave's going to Montreal. That's no, I, I like. Where's your list? Like, what do you list... mean? He's an ex-Leaf. They haven't fully locked sure. up Bonesy and and Jim Rao for next year. Although sure. I hear that's sure. going to happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. It's, okay, Vancouver or Toronto? How about that? <laughs> Edmonton? Yeah. No, I mean, th- there aren't. The, the, just the odds are very low that it's not Vancouver. So. Mm. Um, but in terms of how much of the job, you know, that remains to be seen. I think we knew that, uh, obviously Ray Ferraro's name has been thrown around. Um, we know that he, he's contracted with ESPN. Um, as I said, I'm pretty sure that, uh, you know, I think the odds are high that ESPN extends him. Um, why wouldn't they? He's their lead guy. He's done very well. It's been a well-received broadcast, although I think not as well-received as TNT's, but still like he's one of the top commentators in the game. Um, and so that is, you know, if he's doing that full time, he can't be with the Canucks full time. And uh, so I think that's sort of, that's still what I'm waiting to see what happens there, whether there's any kind of middle ground uh, for him to fall on. Um, yeah. But I have no, we don't really, at this point, there's, I don't think there's any, I don't have any sense one way or another. Good deduction, Peach. You're, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. When they make it easy for you, process yeah. of elimination. Where could he be going? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Besser, he's got a new summer regimen. He's working with someone uh, who Rick Tockett is familiar with. He is really towing yeah. the coach's line here on a good summer. What do you think? Think he could still be a 30-goal guy? You think we're going to see a better Brock Besser? That a, a uh, switch has flipped here uh, in, in terms of Brock and what he understands now that he needs to do to maintain his career and particularly maintain his career at this level of salary and this level of responsibility. I mean, he's one of the more, I think one of the more fascinating people in the, in the Vancouver Canucks realm. I really do think this I've talked to him enough over the years. I have mentioned this before. I go back to this conversation when in their first, in my first season covering the team, Petey's first season on the team and, and Brock had become his sort of first friend and having a chat with Brock about who his friend is. And him having a quite insightful answer and then ending it with the classic, oh, I'm not really sure what you were looking for. And me having flashbacks to being a teacher. And when, you know, kids are like, oh, I'm not sure what I'm trying to say here. Um, and, you know, he, 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 he's, he, he's, 
a good guy. Like I think that's very clear just from the way he's interacted with with his fans over the years. Um, you know, obviously the the challenges his family has uh, faced over the years. The way he spoke with me at the end of the season about how what an emotional journey it had been um, following the the death of his father and uh, how hard the season, you know, his father's, you know, last, his last season uh, with his dad alive, how hard that had been, he realized in hindsight. Uh, and, and you know, he came into the season, obviously, with the famous quote to Jeff saying, this is going to be the year that he gets 30. And, um, you know, us then looking back on how the season went and him having to learn how to, in his own way, manage it, manage the season alone, as he put it. Um, He's a thinker and a feeler, isn't he? Yeah, he really is. Yeah. And um, not often, you know, we get any sense of these guys. And, you know, I've been thinking, you know, it's one of those ones where in our craft, and, you know, Matt, I think you appreciate this. You are, they lend you their voice, right? You're trying to represent them fairly and 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 um, be accurate. And it's a challenge at the best of times. And he's a guy that has shared a lot uh, with you know, not just me with some, you know, with other reporters, but uh, you know, he's a, that, that's someone you would, you would like to sit down and have a sort of a coffee with. Um, talking to people in the dressing room is still not real life, but you know, I appreciate how much he's been willing to give away in that setting. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a, there's a, a, a sensitive emotional core to him. Um, and you know he, I, I've consistently argued he's a better two-way hockey player than people give him credit for. But I don't think there is any denying that the wheels were a bit of an issue this season, uh, this past season. And if he is going to be the player that he was, you know, in a two-way fashion, let alone a goal scorer, um, that is an area that he's going to have to improve. It's it's a, it's a durability, it's a strength thing, it's a it's a fit. I mean, every player discovers this. You know, we can go back to Bo Horvat, like. The, the evolution of fitness that he took, and then the skill evolution, you know, working with Adam Oates, um, the, such a statement on how players can evolve. Um, and, you know, as we jokingly pointed out to him, he is now 26. You know, he's in the second half of his 20s. Um, he is, a, you know, him, you know, the, I can't remember the math. I mean, he is he is he is essentially the longest tenured Canuck, although not in the organization, but in the NHL he is. Um, and as he said, how did that happen? Well, that's life, young man. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I'm intrigued. I, I know um, I know Coos is actually going to be chasing that story, so we'll have something up with the website about that hopefully next few days. Um, yeah, it, it's it, it continues to be said. It's a big year for him. <laughs> Uh, it really is, and uh, yeah, the Canucks, the Canucks, I'm sure would love him to be the player that his salary says he is, and that would be brilliant. I'm not holding my breath for him to be a 30 goal scorer, um, but you know he has been close to that before. He was also younger, so yeah, we'll see. yeah exactly. He's uh, yeah. you've ever Bo improved his wheels earlier than this. You know, at a young age. Yes, yes. So maybe tougher to teach this dog old tricks. So uh, we'll see. No, Um, older dog, new tricks. You get the saying, come (laughs) on. Um, Lastly here, PJ, uh, we're we're seeing different people churn out different numbers on guys like Susie and Cole. You think it's possible, even though Susie's the guy with multi-years, I think it's possible that Cole's a more impactful player this coming season? Hmm. 
I'm I'm on the fence on that one. I mean, obviously, a uh, lot of experience. He was a, he'd been a very solid quality player, um, but he's older, and yeah. I think that's just that is the thing. Um, I think Susie Susie is an interesting player bec- to me because you know I you first I first be, obviously became aware of him with the Wild, and he was just kind of this big strong guy. Uh, who caused trouble and uh, got in the mix. And I think that's, <clears throat> that is what I think fans, Canucks fans will most latch onto is that element. I mean, he is going to take penalties, but the manner in which he takes penalties tends to be the way that crowd pleasing. Are, yeah. yeah. Crowd, crowd pleasing. This is the way to put it. Yeah. yeah. So, <clears throat> you know, that's, but he, he is a much, um, he is a much more well-rounded defenseman than I think, than I, than I realized just sort of having seen him in Seattle last couple seasons and then just sitting back and actually looking at who is this guy once you're writing about him. It, it, you know, it, it, I, I, I like the way J-Pat put it on Rinkwide last week, which was that nobody has said the Canucks have been winners or losers in free agency, which is probably the probably about correct. right. Yeah. Probably about right. Like they haven't hurt themselves. They haven't made them. It's a tough division. It's not like they're going to be immediately leaping over anyone. Um, I think both of them are defensemen that will help them uh, be the, the 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 lineup they want to be, and but there's you know they 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 felt better under the new regime. They weren't necessarily that much better defensively, um, but you know when you can get, bring in guys who are clearly NHL defensemen versus bubble guys, uh, you would hope that that adds up to what you want Something it to better. be. Yes. Yeah. And that, that's, that's where I think we're, I think that's where we're at. It's that it's, yeah, they'll, they'll be fine. They should be fine. You'd hope they would be fine. Um, I'm not holding my breath that this and is going to be right. To bring this fully circle, mm-hmm. uh, f- fully around to the c- uh, ticket sales, uh, the Canucks, they'll be fine. I'm sure that'll be a, a real buzz creator. It's going to work out. <laughs> yeah. It's gonna work. Yeah. That's yeah. That'll be fine. We'll, we'll be fine. <laughs> it'll be, uh, it'll be okay. Yeah. There Don't he is, every, there he is, everybody. He's on the uh, front side of his forties, and he's our third most tenured guest, the one and only Patrick Johnson of yeah, yeah, six hundred. Well done, guys. Six hundred one today, right? Well, yeah, you're on six hundred one. Yeah, you're in yeah, on six hundred one. So a that's, new a new century. Huh? Mm-hmm. Oh boy, you know when the people go to download this years from now. <laughs> Remember, thanks, Patrick. <laughs> Take care, guys. Harrison Price from Wall Center, a presentation of the Applewood Auto Group, and hashtags is the best and worst of Twitter. It's brought to you by Jason Hominick of Jason.Mortgage. And here's the thing, when you contact Jason Hominick, you actually contact Jason. There's no middleman. There's no staffer answering your email. It's Jason himself with the best advice on mortgages. Get that personal touch from an expert who works for you and not the banks. Find him at Jason.Mortgage. Uh, I'll get things started with a, uh, a story that has been buzzing for the last uh, week or so. Uh, at YYZ Sports Media, uh, Jonah tweeting out, by all accounts, Colette Watson is following the Dubas playbook with the Hockey Night in Canada crew, and despite grumblings to the contrary, appears to be making no changes to her core and rolling it back. This after Ron McLean had reportedly said at a function uh, that he was coming back to Hockey Night in Canada. And Kevin BX today is all as well tweeting at KBX of three. If Ron McLean's coming back, 
then so am I uh, with the picture, uh, an undated picture of the entire Hockey Night in Canada core crew there. So uh, it appears all reports to the contrary are incorrect in that uh, Hockey Night in Canada will look very similar this year as it did the year previous. You wonder if this is McLean's final year. Yeah. I mean, eventually, do people not like to retire? Like, especially people that have the means. Like, do you not want to have a few I think it's a pretty well, a good pay. I think it's a pretty well paying gig. I I know, but spend the money. I don't don't blame them. I don't blame them. And what, you work one day a week? Yeah, that's true. Uh, At Mariner Muse, the Mariner's team store has dedicated an entire rack for Blue Jays gear ahead of this weekend series. Now. Look, I see that story's gotten picked up by John Boy Media and some bigger accounts, and there's all sorts of angry Mariners fans and Seattle people and hangering around the sport. Like, oh, my God, who sells business? Tis, twas always thus. I can state for a fact I have bought Blue Jays gear at a Mariners team store inside T-Mobile or, or Safeco back in the day. And, you know, Quite frankly, this is just good business Yeah, from the Seattle Mariners. They know they've got a lot of tourists there. They've got a lot of Canadians. They know they are consuming a fair bit of booze. And the other thing is, uh, and many have said, you know, Jason Seattle Weekend is really a Blue Jays fashion show, right? Who's got the best Blue Jays gear walking around that, that fantastic stadium district in Seattle? So, yeah, uh, I mean, I think this is... Uh, some may see it capitulating to the opposition, but I think it's just smart business from the M's and the team store manager. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit arresting, but uh, I get it. I fully, fully get it. Yeah, and it's not new. It's been around for a while. At CBC News, men have competed in synchro at the lower levels for decades. Now they're being included in the Olympics, meaning next year's Summer Games in Paris. Remember the old Saturday Night Live skit with Martin Short and Harry Shearer? Oh, absolutely. I, I'm not that strong a swimmer. Um, it's happening. <laughs> Men will be competing in what is now called, not no longer synchronized, it's artistic swimming, Matt. Right. We're going to have to get Karen Larson, we're going to have to get Karen Larson's yeah. uh, opinion on this. Karen, a former synchronized swimmer and Olympian. Good friend of the show. But I would bet Canada's good at it. So as much as we, we guffaw at some of yes. the uh, oh, we're new very events, good we're usually pretty good at new events. So. New events, especially the winter new events, Blake. Uh, yeah. We kick ass there. At Adam Schefter with no long-term deals for Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, and Tony Pollard. The last time a running back signed a long-term contract worth $10 million or more per year was Nick Chubb in 2021, 716 days ago. Many... Current running backs are now tweeting and expressing their displeasure with just how disposable they are as human beings, given the wear and tear of the position. Here's Jonathan Taylor in Indianapolis at JT23. If you're good enough, they'll find you. If you work hard enough, you'll succeed. If you succeed, you boost the organization, and then doesn't matter. You're an RB. I, I see the running back's point of view. I also see the general manager and the team's point of view on this. And yet, here's the thing, Blake. It could make for some fun for us as fans if, in fact, you've got enough sore feelings, you have enough commitment to changing this from the existing running backs, Barkley, Jacobs, and Pollard, who are out there because Dalvin Cook's on the free agent market here, the ex-Minnesota Viking. 
We have seen in the past bigger trades in the NFL, more trades involving more significant players. Who knows? There could be a running back carousel and shakeup before the season starts. So uh, a position to keep an eye on here with Barkley, Jacobs, Pollard all wanting new deals, Cook already on the market, and grumbling from the likes of Derek Henry, Jonathan Taylor, Najee Harris, and other luminaries at this position. I'm trying to extrapolate this trend and see what the consequence might be. Do you have the best athletes not wanting to be running backs anymore in college? Do you have uh, them saying, "Hey, I want to be, I want to be a slot back, a I want to be a quarterback"? Yeah. You know, like maybe uh, that well, you it's, can a, it's a better business money. decision. Yeah, you can certainly make more money on the outside now as a receiver or a corner than you could at running back. I mean, part of this is a function of the seventeen-game schedule. Right, you just got teams looking at it and going. We cannot build an offense around a single running back. Give him the ball twenty-five times a game. We need two, and them. just hope he's healthy through yeah. seventeen games, and then of course through three or four or five playoff games. So, yeah, um, I, I understand where teams and general managers are are coming from, um, but I would also argue that in some cases, like the year Jonathan Taylor had a couple of years ago with Indianapolis, some of the years Derrick Henry has had with Tennessee. By all rights, it, as in a meritocracy, they should be re- rewarded for those seasons, and yet teams are hesitant to reward them because they feel they're only uh, a hit or two away from being ineffective. That's it. Yeah. Oh, and lastly, for me at NBO Toronto National Bank Open with Wimbledon now in the rearview mirror, the next big tournament on the AT- ATP schedule is uh, the National Bank Open in Toronto. It's time to look ahead and meet Carlos Alcaraz and the AP top ten who will lead. The field be terrific if Alcaraz does, in fact, play in Toronto. We didn't talk about the Wimbledon final on yesterday's show, and we should have, Blake, because, wow, what an epic there. That 32-minute game or 27-minute game, 33 points, seven break points, and Alcaraz finally got him. And who knows, my man, we could have just seen the, the passing of the torch yeah. Yeah, from the greatest era. I was thinking about this. Has there been a sport that has delivered more than men's tennis over the last 20 years? It has been blockbuster after blockbuster Grand Slam final, many of them living up to the billing, including this last Sunday. Well, three goats competing at the well, same time. Well, that's it. You know, like- but now on the heels of that, a guy who is a real contender, right? A real challenger to these three guys and looks like he is going to keep that level in men's tennis as high as Djokovic, Federer, and Nadal have kept it. And that's saying something for a 20-year-old um, in Alcaraz. But a pretty good supporting cast, too, with guys like Zverev and Medvedev. And, like, I mean, there's there's other guys to compete, mm-hmm. too. Like, Rune there's and another, Rune. Yeah, I mean. I don't you, think there's a there's not a, a vacuum behind no. uh, these goats. There's some good talent out there. Mm-hmm. And that's hashtags for today. Well, Blake, what a pleasure to welcome this gentleman back to Sick Harrison Price. It has been too long, and he was telling us before we started, 20 years ago, he first walked into the North Surrey facility with the British Columbia Alliance after winning a great cup in Calgary. He'd go on to win two more with the Leos. He is, of course, the former head coach and defensive coordinator of the BC Lions. Now their special teams consultant, our dear friend, Mr. Mike Menavides on Sick Harrison Price. Benny, how you doing? Good I'm, to see you. Good I'm, to hear from you again. I'm, I'm fabulous. Thanks for having me on, guys. And it's uh, it feels 
normal and feels part of my DNA to have this all orange on and orange around. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. Thanks for having me on, man. It's uh, it's uh, it's an honor and a pleasure, and I'm uh, I'm very fortunate. You were telling us you're the old coach in the room now. You used to be the young coach. You used to be, you know, like, yeah. you know, the guy that Wally brought from the CIS ranks, right? Yeah. You were at his hip. You were learning everything. Yeah. And now you're the old coach. Boy, quite a time. It is quite a time. I'm, I'm the old timer now. All these young guys got uh, a lot of different questions, but uh, it's it's awesome. It's a great group and uh, privilege to be here. And, uh, yeah, this is like 20 years ago when I first walked into the building, and I hadn't been in the building for a decade. So, um, it, it's awesome. It feels special, and it is special for sure. I want to know if you picked up any tips from Angus Reid on, on how to talk to the room. Did you see that viral video of him wow. marching back and forth in Maryland and, and hyping up the Terrapins and that sort of thing? Can you believe that uh, you know the, 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 the age of player that you were once teaching, they're now the teacher? Like, that's what's happening here. Yeah, it's, a, it's amazing what some of these men are doing, and Angus is doing some great stuff. But, you know, it's like you walk down the hallway and you see pictures of Brent Johnson and Carl Kidd and, and Corey Banks and so many great players, G-Roy, obviously. And, you know, you keep relationships with these people now and I know what they're doing I know their families they got multiple kids mm-hmm. but you're right it's you know time waits for no one and uh yeah. grown men with big their own families and doing some great things but uh you know th- this game's about relationships it's about people I've always said that and uh knowing all those great men that we had the privilege of coaching here now doing great things is pretty awesome to watch for sure Benny for those who uh who didn't get the full story because it happened quite abruptly you know how is it you found yourself back here in black and orange with the lines. Yeah, I mean, it was. Uh, I was going back to TSN. I was going back to the panel. We had done a bunch of meetings and things like that. So I was going back to the TV side of things, and it was right at the end of training camp. And uh, I got a phone call on uh, a text message first from from uh, Neil, and then a call from Rick at the end of training camp, right before the last preseason game. And they needed help, and they wanted to see if I was interested in helping. And um, Coach Yano had to go home, so I'm just holding the seat warm for him. And basically what happened was I asked the girls, I said, girls, I got the phone call. Do you want Dad to wear a suit and makeup or go back to orange? And uh, it was pretty unanimous because I would have done whatever they had told me because uh, I felt committed to TSN. I didn't want to walk away. But uh, they said, no, let's go back to BC. And I haven't coached at home in a decade. This has been home for us the entire time. When we moved here in 03, my girls are born here. And uh, and so um, this is home. And I asked them, what do you want to do? And they said, no, let's go back. And I had to get some new outfits because they're a bit different now. And, uh, yeah, and so here we are. And I went back to TSN, and I asked them. I said, hey, can I do this? And they hey, you're welcome here anytime. And so I was on a Zoom call with them and told Paul Graham and the group, I'm going back here. So... It was uh, it was a tough deal because at the end of the camp you don't know who they are you're trying to figure out who their names are and not call them by uh, number so that's how I got here and uh, very very privileged to be here man coaching ball is what is in the ball in the blood. Do you think you're in a better mood when you're coaching versus staring down a lens? Do you think do you think it's you're a happier guy? <sighs> I don't think they'd ever say I'm happy. Uh, they, they'll say, they'll, they'll say, Daddy. Come on, man. By football coach's standards, you're the happiest guy going. Yeah, I, I mean, I try for this. But at the end yeah. of the day, they'll <laughs> right. say I use my yelly voice or my coaching voice. But um, I, I think we're in a real good place right now. Proud of my girls and where they are. It's a different time. Like I've said to you guys before, and I know I've said this to Matt, when you're coaching, you're, you're selfish. I wasn't around for Judy. I wasn't around for the girls. Anybody that says otherwise are full of crap and uh, that's kind of what I went through as I was a head coach and building my career but now a different place my eldest daughter is off to university at University of Victoria and things like that so in a good place right now so uh, knock on wood we're, we're we're in good shape
I've been trying to tell him for 10 years, Blake, you never lose a game in media. You're undefeated yes. in media, and yet he's still, he's still going back. You said it's in the blood. Bill Parcells, the famous NFL coach, has, has likened it to an addiction. Mike, uh, what's it like to be back in front of the room and and educating these young men in your church? It, it's, it's awesome. I just love it. And in and, and this role, this particular role here, there's so many young guys, young rookies who have never played in our league or coming from the CIS uh, first time as a pro. There's so much to teach them, and that's what I love is teaching as a teacher. Um, yeah, and that's kind of, you know, I was in the front of the room the last couple of years as a defensive coordinator in Ottawa and, you know, stepped away from that and was going to do TV. But there's nothing like it. I mean, when you're out of it, you miss it. Uh, you want to impart the knowledge. You want to make sure you want to compete because at the end of the day folks there's nothing like it I mean you could sit in front of a camera and yeah you could win but it's just not the same the relationships to compete uh, there's just not as much at stake and uh, and so you know being fortunate to be in this league 24 25 years it's what I do it's what I love to do and the girls know it and uh, there's nothing like it you're we're undefeated, away. but they're all exhibition wins. That's that's the difference, <laughs> yeah, right? That's yeah. it. They're all preseason wins for us. Yeah, no. um, let, let's talk about the, the football that you're, you're coaching right now. And this is a team that uh, really seems to be growing into itself. And, well, growing into itself. You guys burst out of the, uh, the, uh, the doors like this mm-hmm. to start the season. Um, I'm sure on special teams, you, your, your main goal is just not to – just to keep up with the with the defense and the offense, which seem to be uh, clicking on all cylinders right now. Yeah, no, they, they've they've built something pretty special here. We, they've been at this for a couple of years now with Coach Campbell and, and Neil, and there's some players here that are outstanding. The talent on defense is just unbelievable to watch. You know, obviously, I see it through multiple lenses now, right? And, mm-hmm. and the talent and the way it's it's done is unbelievable. The room is, you know, they always talk about the room, this and that, but I certainly see it on a daily basis and see the compete and the rhymes and those kinds of guys. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great football team. I think we're headed in the right direction. There's tons of work yet to do. Um, you know, we're four and one, but I've been 0 and five and I've been 11 and 0, right? So there's still tons of work to do in front of us. And I think that's kind of where my advantage is. I've seen it all, been through it all, and I can impart any kind of help that I can to anybody that needs it. Uh, but yeah, this team is very, very good and, uh, doing the right things. They work hard in practice and there's a lot of young people, like in terms of where the roster is, there's a whole bunch of people that I deal with on a daily basis that are just getting their feet wet and and the best is yet to come well you're away for 10 years you come back and you see a very familiar face at a very familiar at a very important position what have you made because we we've had him on the show many times and it's been quite a journey uh what have you made of the journey that sean white has made in this league Mm -hmm. and that you could argue benny he is kicking as well as he has ever kicked right now this late into his career no question i mean we laugh about it all the time it was 2003 when he was out there and i was yelling at him incessantly every day all day and i told him he's going to be a hall of famer is, is a hall of famer and i said in the speech you better bring me up because i was the reason he became tough but he's as kicking as good as as he ever has i think he's got an understanding and a control of where he's grown mentally physically he's been fortunate in taking care of himself and anytime we got to line up there you know it was it's 52 yards 50 yards 51 yards 49 yards whatever it takes he's doing it and he's doing a great job of it and, and just to watch his maturation I mean he was here as a junior kind of just hanging around and we became an elite bl- uh, punt block unit here because 
Sean was live. Go block the kick. If we hurt that guy, who cares? He's just a, a guy hanging out. And uh, mm-hmm. but and so to watch what he's been through is, is amazing. And here's another guy in a great place in his life. He wants to play in front of his parents. He does it for his parents. He's living at home here and, and living the dream because that's what we are. We're living the dream. We get to to be in the CFL, be a BC line and, and participate in, in this city, this great uh, province. So, yeah, he's doing a phenomenal job. He's kicking as well as he ever has, and he's over 95%. How much do you have to restrain yourself, or do you restrain yourself on the defensive side of the ball, given that the coordinator is another protege of yours and Ryan Phillips? Uh, a word or two about his ascension into the coaching ranks, because I think you can argue this BC Lions defense over the last year and a bit here has maybe been the best unit in the Canadian Football League. There's no doubt, and I take a tremendous amount of pleasure. I mean, people talk about it all the time, and it was a piece that we were setting up for TSN. Three of the coordinators in the league all play for me, whether it's Baron, Mark, or or RP. And RP's done a phenomenal job. And I just, you know, it's kind of like... You know, it's kind of like the stepdad, the old uncle, the old grandpa, kind of watching him do what he does every single day. And I'll walk by and I'll say something because I have stories and I know what he was like as a player. But I, I just <laughs> love watching him do what he does. He, he's an excellent communicator. You know, he's not that far removed from those guys. And there's just such a chemistry uh, in that defensive back room. And really, this league is made at the back end. And with the experienced back end that we have here now that he's worked with, is kind of like we, we were in those days. I mean, he came on in 05, stayed with us for a long, long time. Dante was here for a long time. Corey was as well. So if you could keep that uh, veteran secondary, that's the key in our league. And, and they're doing a phenomenal job. And I love watching it. And, you know, even during the game or something, something happens and um, I kind of get excited for him. So it's uh, there's no restraint. If there's anything, I'm trying to not have too much fun and not be too much of his cheerleader. Um, but it's it's really special to watch. You brought up Brent Johnson's name. Uh, we've seen the second coming with Matthew Betts. Man, I tell you what, and I keep talking about the story, and, and it was another story piece we were going to do. In 03, when we walked in this building, they said, well, Brent Johnson's kind of a whatever, whatever. He can't be a starter. We don't think he's a real guy. He could be a rotational guy. Well, the rest is history. He became one of the elite all-time guys. He would change games by himself. And so now I watch Matthew, and you know I know where he came from. He was coached by a legend in this country, by Glenn Constantine in the program, and he was a defensive line coach too. And I've watched him closely, and in, in, in Edmonton, he didn't have the production that you know you would expect. And just watching him on a daily basis, this guy plays fast. He's got an unbelievable get-off. He's adding tools to his tool chest. Because I've said this all since the beginning of time. Defensive line is a very difficult, articulate position to learn and develop. You see all these big-time draft choices. It takes a, cu- a couple of years because it's such a, a unique uh, skill set, and it's, it's hard to learn. And he is unbelievable he's elite in every facet he practices hard he's attention to detail he's been on my kickoff team he's been on our kickoff team and he wants to be on that as the lead kickoff as the lead uh, uh, sack getter so um, he's special man you, you can make it you know and I think at some point we should make a cut up of Brent's plays and his plays together we're pretty privileged to watch him do what he's doing it's it, it's pretty wild they're afraid of him I'm sure yeah uh, coach, it used to be routine back when you were the head coach and defensive coordinator. We have seen it come back. The opening up of the upper bowl at BC Place for BC Lions games yep. and these huge crowds that are going to cheer you on. A word or two on what you're facing Saturday against the Riders and the support you've been getting here from the community. 
now into a third home game. Yeah, the support's been unbelievable. I mean, obviously I saw it from afar when I was in Ottawa last year, and this still being our hometown, and just see the changes that have happened through ownership, through all the parties, through the concerts, and people really getting a buzz. And awfully, obviously the quarterback here a year ago created a big buzz. But the whole city buzzing around, I mean, I walked around uh, the stadium, watched people get set for the game, the party, the pregame, all that stuff. It's amazing. And anywhere I walk, obviously get recognized, and people talk about it all the time, and uh, really feels like there's a resurgence. We went through huge highs, but everything is cyclical, and we hit some lows. Um, and now it really seems to really be on the rise, and it's amazing to watch. And it, it's a ton of fun. It really is. Um, you know, a, kind of a renaissance for me because I was through it uh, a couple times. Um, in terms of who we're facing, Saskatchewan's a very t- talented team. The kick game is obviously the head coach's uh, part, and uh, they're very, very good that way. They're obviously going through a quarterback change right now, like half of the league is, but uh, very talented, very athletic, uh, aggressive group, and I think they surprised people the first couple of weeks, and I think uh, it'll be a, a tough matchup. But I think we're, we're going to um, see us grow too because I think every single week we're getting better as a football team as well. Delighted to have you back in town. Delighted to have you back on the show. Great hearing your voice, seeing your face. Best of luck on Saturday, Mike. Obrigado for this, my man. Thank you. Have fun. Thank you so much. Uh, Anytime and uh, fill up the place and let's make some noise and get the win. Harrison Price from Wall Center, a presentation of the Applewood Auto Group. You can text us 778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox. Your local Great Clips, proudly Canadian owned and operated. As they say, Great Clips. It's going to be great. Thank you. Let's your curveball there today. See if you're paying attention. Well done. So yesterday, as we get into errors and omissions, uh, Blake brought us the story of the fox, the baby fox, the fox that peed on the ball of, who was it again? Michael Gligich. Michael Gligich, the um, Canadian touring pro. Mm -hmm. So two mistakes on the fox, or at least one mistake and one one dangling uh, question. Okay. Foxes are not rodents, Blake. No, I was was mean. It was Mm -hmm. low of me to call them a rodent. And we wondered whether their urine had an odor. Indeed it does. It's a skunky, musky odor. Some people will smell it from a few meters away. Some will have to get a little closer, depending on your sense of smell. It's caused by two sulfur-containing compounds, and uh, it's used to repel rats, so... There you go. They repels rodents. They're rodent repellent. Exactly. Yeah. The rodents are like, I don't want to mess with this thing. We had a bad And one. it's got smelly pee. Mm-hmm. Um, Canucks made two appearances on TNT last year. We were talking about that with Nabil Kareem. One in December against the Calgary Flames. We're still scratching our heads on that one. And then one later in the season on the Anaheim Ducks. And boy, I'm sure boy. TNT was happy they learned that one. matchups. But at least they had Coach Talkett to, to come back and join their their panel last year for that Anaheim game. That was after Talkett had taken over for Bruce Boudreaux. We mentioned the Travis Yost graph on TSN with regards to Canucks defenseman yesterday. But we didn't detail it, and we should have. Uh, Hughes ranks in the 99th percentile defenseman. Philip Ronick in the 96th percentile. 
Ian Cole in the 80th percentile. That's what people are having sort of Above trouble believing will yeah. With, yeah, will withstand now that he's gone from Tampa to the Canucks. Believe it or not, Ethan Bear was in the 65th percentile. Uh, no longer a Canuck, but we'll see if they can get a deal done. Susie 45, although it's not that uh, flattering. I was just going to get to that. Yeah. Do you think I can't read? <laughs> Sometimes. Or are you oh, doubting wow. fight, fight, my fight, literacy? Fight. And then every other defense. He's getting jumpy, huh? He jumps mm-hmm. in a lot now. Mm-hmm. 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 Very bold. Um, I mean, the show's Sakaris and Price. Uh, he wants to add sass here somewhere. I want to feature oh, He's him. added sass. He's added oh, a lot of sass. Yeah. <laughs> and every other Canucks defenseman was below replacement level, and that includes Luke Shen, Kyle Burroughs, and Tyler Myers. Yeah. Who was, by this model, their second worst defenseman after Riley uh, Stillman. And then lastly, for me, we, d- we didn't mention the Wimbledon final yesterday, and we should have, uh, particularly the Gents, because it was a fantastic match between Alcaraz. And you were and tweeting Novak. about it, too. Was, you well, have I mean, no I excuse. Gripped. I was gripped. I mean, that one game was just sensational Dennis, like legendary stuff to play a game that long, that many great points. You can tell a tennis match is good by the number of times the shot is obstructed with people standing up with their arms in the air, and it was happening like every three minutes. From the championships. I woke Wimbledon. up Sunday morning with a little headache, and I see Twitter notifications. Hold on, hold on. First of all, <laughs> hydrate you, before You bed. woke up or you were heading to bed on <laughs> Sunday morning? Fair point. Because the way you walked in here yesterday, I thought you were going to fall asleep oh. at the terminal. Oh, the two-day hangover. Nice. Nicely done. Yeah, it only gets more pronounced the older you get, Grady. First thing I see on my phone is Sicaris live-tweeting tennis. It was one tweet. Okay, let's get to the. I restrain myself as you should during this segment, young man. <laughs> uh, Yerky, as usual, on guard for our errors and omissions. He says, as a language nerd, I'm dinging Blake for thinking the German Das Boot, which is pronounced Boot anyway, uh, has anything to do with a Slavic guy's name just because they're both east of England. Russian mm-hmm. is written in Cyrillic letters. There'd be no reason to add a silent letter when transliterating a name into the Latin alphabet with a winky face. I don't know what half of that means, Yerky, but I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get to your Bodog line of the daytime. Bodog, your source. Free casino games, poker strategy, sports odds. Who you like, what you got? Uh, looking ahead, Whitecaps, Club Leon on Friday. And uh, hey, Whitecaps are happy with the draw. They go. To, they try to beat the Galaxy. You try to draw against Club Leon. A draw plus 235. On your Bodog line of the day. Thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder to subscribe to us and Rinkwide wherever you get your podcasts. And then follow us on Twitter, Insta, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, and Threads. Support the local sponsors you hear us talking about as well. Keep it local. <laughs>